Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. So welcome back to the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are glad you're here. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you've been with us for previous episodes, we're glad you're here. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. We have a guest again today. Wow. These are the best kind because God kind of dropped this one in our lap today. And so I know he's up to something with this story. I'm really eager to hear. We have Melanie today. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) So Melanie, thanks for being on the podcast. Go ahead and start us out with a little bit about your life, spiritual life background, and then kind of walk us through what God's been doing to move you from place to place spiritually. Okay, perfect. So in looking back, I kind of started this whole journey myself because I remember I was about 13, and I just remember one night I was lying there in bed, and first I just had, and I didn't know what it was at the time, but I just had this overwhelming feeling that there was something else, that we were here for a purpose, and that everybody around me was just going through the motions. Whoa. And so, yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I start asking my parents, like, why are we here? Like, what is the meaning of life? And I'm sure my parents were like, Ugh, you know, we don't, this is a big question. Right. And so did you practice any kind of faith? <laughs> no, we were not any, okay. I, I knew people wow. went to church, but I, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I, you know, I didn't know anything about right. anything. So have you read the book Unveiling Grace? I have not yet, but okay. I need to get Here's it. That's the funny part. I actually call that the dancer of grace. And I talk about how he kind of danced in and out of my life at mm. these key times, right? right? Until I was ready and then boom. Right. And then you yeah. get the full, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So my uh, mother had been raised LDS. She'd been raised Mormon. And so they brought in the Mormon missionaries. Mm. And I'm looking for this bigger purpose. And right. so I soaked up everything. I was like, and I'm a type A, so I'm like, oh, you've got a list of things for me to do? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let me take notes. Yes. <laughs> like, it fed into how I was created very well. And so, um, fast forward, my dad's on the bishopric, my mom's Relief Society president. Wait, so did this reactivate them? Yeah. Like, everybody got baptized, everybody got in. We wow. were holding the picnics and doing the Dutch ovens, and my mom started canning. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, okay, this is us. Um, as a convert, though, I realized very quickly we are kind of second class. We're not, because I wasn't born into the church. So, And you were living where? Where is uh, this? Northeast Oregon. Okay. Small community. Ooh. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Um, so, But yeah. there were Mormons there who were born in the covenant, were, and so, yeah. Oh, yeah, as a farming community. So there was ones that had deep roots. Okay. And so, um, so I was teaching, um, and what started a little bit planting the seeds of maybe not everything is that there's other things here is and so there would be things that I would be asked to teach that weren't settling right with me and so I would very carefully teach around them there was one in particular about um, soulmates in marriage that I had like I really struggled with and eventually you know was able to do it and everyone was like you're a fantastic teacher and everything but I I knew inside there was always these there were certain things but I kept a mental almost like a mental list of things that okay this stuff 
I feel is good, but this stuff over here I don't agree with. And the biggest thing for me is um, my grandmother passed away at some point in, um, was some point later, but she hadn't passed away yet. But she was in my life. And she was like, did not believe in the Mormon religion at all. And she was the best person, like living her life and loving and being like the best mm. person that I knew of alive on the planet that I would think would almost be like saint-like. Right. And I could not wrap my brain or my soul around the fact that she would not make it to heaven just because she didn't belong to the certain organization. I could not settle that. And no one can answer that question for me. Wow. And so that was like the almost like the great divide for me because the God that I felt I knew something about, and I didn't even really know him then, I couldn't understand why she wouldn't get it just because of she, paperwork or something. Like, right. She didn't yeah. belong to a religious organization. Right. I just could not settle so with that. When my daughter was 10, her very best friend, who was also 10, died. So we're Mormon, they're not Mormon, and she's going through the same thing at the age, the age of 10. <gasps> she won't go to heaven with me. She can't be saved. Oh, honey, we can take her name to the temple. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember her saying to me years later, that did not in any way comfort me. Right. Yeah. So after college, um, I was actually dating a non-member. But his grandparents were. So it was okay to marry him because his grandparents were. And, you know, we were eventually it was going to work out. And that, um, we got married and the marriage lasted six months. It was catastrophic. Oh, no. Um, this so individual sorry. came back, um, took everything I had, came back, stole my car, like literally left me destitute. And so in my mind, this is my punishment for not, not following. I should oh. have married a Mormon. I didn't follow... I didn't follow the handbook. I went yeah. outside of the handbook. Went outside the rules. Didn't marry yes. in the temple. I didn't mm -hmm. marry in the temple. This is my punishment. God's punishing me. Oh. And so... Because that God punishes. Right. right. I, I was, was like... I say, that is the God of performance-based religion. Right. You don't do it right, you get yes, your hands slapped. this is what happens. Worse. They tell you. This is what happens. Right. <laughs> this yeah. is what happened to me. Yeah. So I am... Like, I had quit my job because we were supposed to move back to Oregon together. We're in Utah at the time. So I, I ha literally have no job. Um, the rent is due. He has stolen my car. Like, I, we, everything we packed up was wow. already headed. Like, I am destitute. Destitute. And so I'm thinking, how do I fix this? So I call up. I find out where the singles ward is in my area. And I am like, okay, because I'm in my plan. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to crawl back. I'm going to marry myself, a Mormon guy. We're going to get married in the temple. We'll have some kids. Everything's going to be okay. I could fix this. And so I had to make it. They don't just let you go. <laughs> I had to make an appointment to talk to the bishop over the singles ward. And I go into the office, and I'm like, I've lost everything at this point, you know. So I'm like, my husband left me. I have no job. Like, the low point in my life. And mind you, I'm 19 at this time. So, wow. yeah, away from home. My parents wanted me to move home, and I said no because that's where he went. And so I'm like, if I move home, I'm faced with this for the rest of my life. Like, mm. at least I'll stay here and try and start fresh. So I walk into his office, and um, I sit down. And in my head, I'm, like, thinking, okay, this is my fresh start. And that man looks at me, and he says to me, the first thing I need to know is what you did to make your husband leave you. Oh. And oh. my soul oh. at that moment literally cracked. Like, that was it. Because yeah. to me, this man is speaking for God. Because I don't, I can't speak, I don't hear from him. 
And so basically to me, God just told me. It was your fault. It was my There's fault. No and I was like, in my heart, I'm like, if that's God, I want nothing to do with you. Because I was turning back to the only thing I thought I had. Right. right. And, and you so, didn't know it was a false God at the no, time. No. So I left there and I was done with God. It had nothing to do with the Mormons or anything. I was done with God. And for 20 plus years, I denied his existence. I made fun of people that were like Bible thumpers and the Jesus freaks. And I laughed, all oh, you guys, good luck with that. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> because. Drank that Kool-Aid, they tell me. Now yeah. you drink this Kool-Aid. I had literally been like shunned by the only thing that there was. And so there was points like later on in the, in the later part of the 20 years where I got like a little bit. Like, I feel like we should be doing something, you know, because I still had that feeling there was something else out there. And, you know, Mother Earth didn't fit for me. And I looked at different things and crystal and like it just none of it really fit for me. And then I went to some churches in Utah um, that I thought would have an opportunity, but they were really bashing the Mormons. And I was like, this isn't right either. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't agree with that anymore, but it's not right to put them down either. Like, I was really searching for the truth, but my heart wasn't all the way open yet. So then God took me through what I call the season of loss. <laughs> and it was expansive. <laughs> so I literally, in a matter of probably six months, lost my job, being accused of something that I didn't do, circumstances outside of my control. In that, trying to keep my house, which I almost lost, I lost all of my savings, I totaled my car, I was drinking immensely to deal with everything, oh. and I found out my daughter started cutting. And when that um, happened, I was literally like, that's when I threw my hands up in my air and I was like, I can't manage my life on my own. Like, I am failing. My daughter's probably going to commit suicide because the statistics are super high. Right. The correspondence. She She was, um, it was that freshman transition when she went from middle school to high school. And so. It was like 13, 14. Yeah, which ironically is the same age that, you know, God started knocking on my door. But that was like my low point because I was like, I'm not losing my daughter. And so. I was like, I'm going to church, you're going to church, we're all going to church. Like, I don't know where, but I was like, So how many, so how many kids do you have at this time? Do you have more than just your daughter? I had um, my two older ones, and okay. then with my uh, current husband, who we were not married at the time, this was all happening, uh, we had just had a baby, so he was like maybe 18 months oh, my at the time. So oh, wow. my thing was when I found out my daughter was cutting, we emergently, emergency went in to get therapy or whatever, but that was when I got on my knees and I was like, listen, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible because we weren't allowed to read it, and everyone I picked up was King James Version, and you can't get past like freaking <laughs> and yeah you get to what is it leviticus and you're like forget it yes. <laughs> so, um i was like i know it says somewhere in there and i think i googled it that it, there's a verse in there that says if i ask and i truly ask you will reveal yourself to me if you if you exist i need you to do that right now and i don't want any crap like i don't want any of this or that or whatever i just want the truth God, I, can't, I need you to show up i can't I need you to show handle up this right now like i can't i was at my very bottom yeah and uh, he, I think the concern or, that I had initially was like you feel like there's this fierce like judging God that's just waiting for you to screw up, and he's not. That is the Mormon God. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is like the most gentlest thing that there is out there that just ever so gently like picks you up and puts yeah. the pieces back together and guides you. Yeah. And, uh, and if you don't get it the first time, it just brings around. Again. Right. He knows. He made you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't tell anyone 
that I was asking about God or was looking for God. And I was still pretty rigid because I didn't want to be fed another, a bunch of false right. anything. Like, yeah. I just want the truth. Yeah. And so I actually, it was my ex-husband, ironically, that invited me to church. So even the person that he used was like insane because we were not on talking terms. The fact that my daughter had been cutting is the only reason we were even talking because it was at that point I was like, I'm going to get over all my issues right now because it's about our daughter and we need to work this out if this is causing it. So it brought us together and his new wife and I did not get along at all. And so when he invited me to church, I was mad at God because I was like, of all people, (laughs) but I didn't tell anyone I had been asking. And so my first thing was, is your wife going to be there? And he's like, no, she's out of town because I'm looking for an out for everything. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. But... The biggest thing that I didn't expect was the un, I call it the untangling of the lies, like the unwinding of the theology that I didn't yes. know. Yes. Right. I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for the theology to be so off. Like did you fundamentally. Even, did you even know how much theology you've, you'd absorbed at that no, point? No, because I thought there was, like you would think there was only parts of it, but I would be sitting in service and I remember one in particular that... Um, he was, the pastor was talking about how God starts, the, the end is already created, and then he starts in the beginning, and he was talking about how he literally, like, knit you in the womb, and at the very, the very second your parents were together, and he's like, I'm going to start it now. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wait a second, what, what, we were, but what about, yeah. So yeah. then I was like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's what? a lie, too? It's like literally like foundational things that you don't realize you're, is there until they're teaching from the Bible and you're like, wait a second. So it was, there had happened a couple times before that, but that one made me mad. That one really made me mad. And I went home and I took to Google and I was like, I need to get to the bottom of this because I can't keep having the floor drop out. I need to know what I don't know that I know that oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, okay, so what else is there? Right. Yeah. Like what are all, so I found this random article that was called like the top 13 lies I told as a Mormon missionary. And I was like, yes, because that's where I had started. I'm like, get it all out. And when you go through, I mean, the whole pre-existing thing for me is like a huge fundamental belief because going through life thinking you picked your path and you have seen everything right. and you're just trying not to screw it up mm-hmm. is completely different than God has a calling on your life and you're like, you know, like it's completely different. Right. Calling yeah, on your life with a purpose right. from right. the foundation. Well, and it's, and it's also ages, different just right? from the standpoint the ages, of sin, yeah. what separates us from God, because with the whole Mormon teaching on pre-existence and you were already God's child. And obviously if you're born, especially if you're born light skin in America to anything related to Mormonism, you had to have been a really good kid of God. Yeah. yeah, In the Mm pre-existence. Then you come here and it's like, okay, I'm already God's child. There's really no separation. I just need to learn to be the best God's kid that I can be until I get back to him. Mm. Whereas the Bible says, no, you're born a slave to sin. We're sinners by birth choice. Um, practice and often by generational influence sin is what separates us from God and there's a ton of it the chasm is immense it's way more about how do we reconnect and be reconciled to God and deal with the sin problem Hmm. but Mormonism totally obliterates that chasm because of the pre-existence teaching Mm -hmm. and people don't even recognize this why the spiritual need is there Hmm. so yeah it's just so 
Yeah, I now say the God I know now is holy, holy, holy. Man, it's lowly, lowly. <laughs> right? Yes. And yet in Mormonism, we brought God down to man's level, and then we brought man up to right. God's level. And so that was kind so of we're pretty okay. for us. But the truth is, he's way up there. We're dating way down here. There ain't no meeting except Jesus, right? Mm, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what? So what else do you find that you have to unravel as you're making this spiritual journey? Well, I kind of just went through that process very quickly from there because I was just like weeded all out, and then of course I moved forward in not only getting in studies, but I was very particular in getting into um, restoration ministry. I had a lot of um, trauma and abuse as a child, Ooh, okay. and I had always wrestled with that with God because I was especially with the pre-existent thing, because I was like, why would I choose this life? And I couldn't get that. I was like, why would I choose this? This is horrible. Horrible things are happening to me. Horrible things keep happening to me. Why would I choose this? So it's just more shame and guilt heaped on you. Once again, it's, it's your fault. Right. And then when I got my patriarchal blessing, I'm looking for answers in that. And everyone else, um, had stuff about their husband and their husband was like a warrior and their kids were going to be amazing and I get mine and it was literally like marked <laughs> like I remember the line in it that said I would be severely tried to prove my allegiance to Christ and I was like well that's why things keep happening to me because I got to prove my allegiance to Christ <laughs> like it was just oh, layer man. after layer after layer and so um that's why I needed that 20 year gap <laughs> to calm down <laughs> the very first person that read Unveiling Grace was an atheist. Somebody who'd left Mormonism, gone to atheism for 20 years. Somebody gives him this book, right, which is my story and some of us around us, our story. And this is what he said to me. He called me up. He said, if there's a God that can do the things you describe in that book, I'd be willing to give him a try. Here's the thing. You've been in Mormonism. You don't see this kind of personal mm-hmm. stuff. You don't have this right. connection. This God doesn't show up for you. He doesn't answer questions mm-hmm. like when you went to the Christian church, right? Right. And and you don't realize it's not a real God. It's not a, it's a, what the Bible calls a false Christ, mm-hmm. right? Right. Preaching a false gospel. Right. But no one ever told me that in Mormonism. Right, yeah. and so it's a it's a normal thing to go to agnosticism and atheism right. when you think you've had the only real God, right. and he didn't. He was impotent, right? right. He didn't right. really right. do anything. Right. So, at what point do you like turn that corner? At what point do you go? I only, what point do you come to repentance and faith and salvation? I mean, do you think it happened back when you were thirteen and God came, or did you have a place no. where you went? No, I've got all this. My issue is sin, and I've got to get all this sin transferred to Jesus and get his righteousness. I need the grace. I need the gift. Right. It was. Um, it probably took me a year of going to church every Sunday and working through that and God just slowly working. That restoration ministry study that was on specifically on abuse and trauma was huge for me. God worked every single piece through that because my thing was, where were you? And he showed me yes. like through that, that study. And through that study is where I got intimate with Christ. And it's where I had to come to that point because my problem with my relationship with Christ was I was the Pollyanna Christian. And I had learned that from being Mormon that I would just, I think I'm just going to praise you for all this bad stuff happening to me because I did, I was trying to, you know, I was never real with him. Mm. And there was a moment in that restoration study that he ever so gently just kept pushing me and pushing me. And I remember I was in my driveway 
like a lunatic. And I just had a breaking point and I finally came out and I was like, I'm mad this happened to me. I hate that this happened to me. And you didn't start, you didn't stop it. And you could have because you're sovereign. And I just let it all out. And as soon as I did that, like God and I were like this. Yeah. I talk to him all the time. He talks to me. He leads me. As soon as I could let down the walls and just be real. Right. I was even mad about, you know, here I'm looking for God and you give me this. And I think... This opportunity right here is the redemption of all of that, which is why I'm here. Because if my story and me going through all that can help one person, I would do it again. And my question (laughs) to you a couple minutes ago was going to be, so are you in restoration (laughs) ministry now? Absolutely. Just your testimony is a restoration to other people, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, yes. Because I have gone through a lot, not just... With the religion thing, but with the trauma and with the abuse and and divorce and all of that, I've gone through all that. And God has just redeemed every single piece of it. Even me and my ex, two years ago, we had Christmas together, our families together. And it wasn't like a fake one. It was like they helped us paint our house. Like he has restored everything, everything that I have handed to him. Therefore, your daughter's a lot better these days. Yes, yes. And she um, helps minister to youth that are going through that because she's on the other side too. Right. And it happens in the church. Oh, my goodness. So and to have that, people it's speaking about it. This yeah. is the God of the Bible. This is the Jesus of the Bible who is personal, yeah. who can handle our junk. He can yeah. handle our anger. He wants that authenticity because there is no intimacy without authenticity. Mm. Amen. And there's no authenticity until we're willing to simply... And he's big enough to take it. He is. He can take the anger. He can take the rage. Like he can he take the accusation. Know. Right. Right. It's not like yeah. <laughs> I am here. Have to... a body of flesh and bone. <laughs> right. This guy's actually spirit. I he's always there. tell people, I'm like, I'm still alive. Like I, there was cuss words in my driveway. I'm not gonna lie. And he yeah. took it all. Yeah. And then I just felt like the biggest weight had been lifted off me. Yeah. I can't even explain it. And yeah. from then on. I could hear him and I could feel him and I, it was amazing, but it was me that was the issue. Before that, I felt, I was explained in my restoration journal that I feel like I'm in a glass box and everyone has this relationship with him and I could see it, but I can't touch him. Yeah. And it was because I wasn't being honest with him. Right. And what you got when you were honest wasn't a scolding. No. It was a hug. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's what so many people are afraid of because what performance-based religion does to people is it says... If you dare be honest with God, if you dare let out these feelings, God is so ready to turn you to toast. He's just waiting for you to cross Mm -hmm. the line so he can smack you up. And it is like, so not God. Mm -mm. It is one of the biggest lies out there. He's a loving father and he's just waiting for you to be honest enough so he can say, you know what? Yeah, go ahead, do this because you're not going to know my love until you feel a hug on what you probably do deserve is my wrath and instead of my wrath I put that on Jesus so I could hug you Mm. so come on kid (laughs) right um and it's yeah and it's only the God of the Bible there's another religious system out there that has a God that meets us in our sin in our brokenness and our fallenness and our anger and greets us with a hug so if you had a couple of minutes to say a few last words to folks who have been out there not believing that there's a God, not wanting to reach for a God, kind of like you were for 20 years, maybe mad at God. Advice? 
for them? Maybe this is my personality, but my relationship with God, and everyone is different, so know that. But my relationship with God is I use that Bible and I'm one to call you out. So I, that's how my relationship with God started. Your word says this, and I'm calling you out. Mm. So I would encourage you to find something in that book that speaks to you, that you want God to answer and you want to call him out on. And I'm telling you, he will show up. He will show yeah. up every time. He's faithful to his word. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, and it won't be what you expect. No. <laughs> it might be your ex-husband asking you to church. Just be prepared. Yes. Oh. That is the first time we've heard that. That is true. We've heard. And, and here's the thing. And again, I'll just say, because if you're, so if you're new to the podcast, I, I just want to tell you that the last several we, episodes that we've taped, and, and we tend to do these in batches, and then they get edited and they go out, and they may not all go out in the same order, but this common thread of abuse, neglect, incredible hurt, incredible shame, incredible brokenness, that because of performance-based religion, people often think is their fault. How many times in just the last 48 hours have we heard that? Three or four, maybe five? In fact, I was going to ask if you have more to talk about on that topic. Maybe. Oh, I would love to again. because that has been literally life-changing for me okay then we need to have you back on because this has been such a common thread and, it, and it's heartbreaking to sit and hear it and yet it's also so encouraging right. to watch how god steps in and redeems that mm. and that's what we want to offer to people because the tagline for the podcast is come experience a grace that heals and jesus mm. is that hope Amen. right so thank you melanie well um we're having you back we'll figure out how and when so <laughs> okay. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Yeah. We're Grace glad you're with us. And peace. Until next time. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilders book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.